Seen but never touched. Heard but too reliably. Such words turn bitter. Hey everyone, welcome back to Solocene, the podcast where we imagine a beautiful, sustainable, tactile future. You remember to say it this time, nice. Yes, welcome to the internet semester. This is the fourth episode in a deep dive into the internet in the ideal world and how it can lead to more sustainable living in our communities and in our environment. Happy Easter. It's Easter today when we're recording. We have some beautiful tulips here on the YouTube that you can see. So it's in podcast on YouTube. Yeah. And this week we're going to be talking about place websites. So, for example, the website of a museum or of a cafe. We're going to talk about internet tone versus real life tone when it comes to communicating. And we also have some notes on notes from the field of having no power for four days and it just coming back on about an hour ago. Yeah, this episode is going to be flavored with that experience. And hopefully we don't get, hope we don't waylay it too much, but that's definitely been on, on our minds. I guess we can actually kind of start talking about that because it was the Montreal ice storm. That's the reason why we didn't have the famous Montreal ice storm, why we haven't had power. We were thankful that it did come back immediately before recording because otherwise we would have had to devolve to some dark tactics to try and um, to try and record this with no power. And I don't think it would have sounded pretty, no. but it would have been fine. So... You said at the start of this semester, this internet semester, that you had a feeling, a premonition, a foreboding feeling that this would be the most personally transformative semester. Mm. Four weeks in, Alicia, how has that, how has that been the case, or hasn't it? It has. I've noticed my screen time has decreased. Mm. I almost instantly developed this hyper awareness of my internet use on my phone, mainly. I'm not one to open up my laptop unless I'm like doing taxes, writing something for the zine, doing yeah. actual work. So most of my screen time is documented on my phone. And obviously the last four days, my screen time has been near zero with the few glimpses of I'll get a little bit of charge and check the power map. <laughs> but also with this power outage and the week before, it's funny because it was almost like for everyone I've talked to has said it's it kind of this whole week felt weird anyway. And this whole week, I'd been waking up early. You usually do, and I just stay in bed. Yep. Waking up early and using candlelight to go about my morning routine due to that thing about like lumens or whatever, that you should kind of ease yourself into the bright, harsh oh, LED yes. world. Okay. And this semester and just like life, yeah, has been throwing a lot at me to try and reduce my screen time. And I certainly think it has. I've been reading a lot more. I think the weather plays a part because we're not shrouded in darkness for most of our waking lives anymore. Yeah, it's true. We just nice came thing. out of winter where it would get dark at like 4.30, 5.30, mm. get light at like 8. Yeah. And then you were a little bit, once the power, once the, the solar power went down, yeah. you had to kind of just rely on, I'm going to watch a movie, I guess, because you don't want to go to bed at like 7.30, mm -hmm. but you also don't really always have the energy. With regards to the ice storm and the power outage, I was remarking that... It's interesting because it feels like the opposite of the COVID lockdowns, mm -hmm. which is the the most recent kind of emergency situation that, that we're familiar with. In that in that situation, it, obviously it lasted longer, but it was the case that you were pretty much forced to stay home, but you had access to all the virtual world. And so everybody's screen time shot up. Everyone was watching movies, uh, Zooming for 
casual and professional relationships, all mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And in general, we were kind of digital citizens for, I don't know, depending on where you lived, like a year or two years or something. Yeah. Whereas this, you can go anywhere, but that part of the, the world, I guess, the cyberspace, the non-place was almost completely shut off to us for four days. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, for us being self-proclaimed solar sites, I don't know if we dealt with it that well. No, I think I'm going to make a few purchases, which isn't mm. especially Solacini, but I think they're purchases to make us more self-sufficient. Okay. Top of my list, I would really like to buy a radio, like a power, yes, battery you were saying that about powered radio, radio um, because we had no way to know what was going on. Like the mm. power went out in the middle of the storm, so the storm wasn't even over yet. Yeah. And even like my phone had a bit of a charge, but I got called into work. It's like we really, because no one has landlines and also no one has any way of getting the news outside of their phones. Yeah. It was not scary, but it was quite isolating. Well, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. This is kind of a subtle transition to the first question of the day mm -hmm. about place websites, because that was also my big observation that really, I mean, it doesn't have to be a specific www dot, but even mm -hmm. the Facebook page of a particular branch of a supermarket or of a school or of a church or of some other like specialty store um without that and because we don't have a yellow pages and as you said we don't have a landline because nobody mm -hmm. ever does like the only way of knowing if a place is open before you even get there be it because of weather or because of the holidays because it's easter weekend is to physically go there and it's like this is it felt kind of wild yeah i don't know i, I wish it felt more more normal though i'll say that yeah, with the places you had to walk there, at first it was challenging because of the weather, but then fortunately it got nice. But still, like, you almost, you have to live slower. Like, you have to, okay, this is closed, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I had a meeting a couple of days ago, so I had to find internet, basically. And I spent about two hours walking around trying to find a place and then ended up not finding one. Mm. Um. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting. I also found this storm, it's not related especially to the internet, but just power and sustainability in general. It instantly made you more aware of your resource consumption in that, okay, we knew we had one tank left of hot water. Yeah. So, like, you knew that. We had 15 candles, something like that. Yeah. And then last night, it's like, this is probably the last night these candles are going to burn. And you just, like, visually have a representation of your resources going down. In a way that we don't see, like there's not a meter on the wall saying, "Yeah, this is how much power you're using and it's running out." Because, That's a good like, point. I like that actually. Infinite. I mean, a, a lot of houses do have exactly that meter, right? But it tells you in a rather unintuitive number. Mm -hmm. It's like, is this in watts, kilowatts, joules? You know, like it's not. And most people don't know those values off the top of their head and understand the units that well. Mm -hmm. So I do think if there was some kind of visual thing, even just comparing it to prior months or something. That might be kind of an interesting idea for power consumption. Yeah, you're right. It's not really related to the internet. But so this idea of place websites and they're having replaced the yellow pages because that's effectively what they did. It's like yeah. before, if you wanted to know, oh, is the butcher open on Good Friday? If so, if so, at what time? You just found them in the yellow pages, gave mm -hmm. them a phone call, and now you just type it in. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to think about the pros and cons of this shift. And one of the cons, I think, this might be a bit of a reach, is the idea that it has perhaps contributed to an increase in social anxiety, or at least 
at least social anxiety that manifests on taking phone calls. Because mm-hmm. I know I have definitely felt that in my life, my, my somewhat young life. And I can 100% imagine people even younger than me or older. It's like, since everywhere has a website now, if, you, if there was some old-fashioned store that you actually did have to call to learn anything, it would be quite daunting. Because people mm-hmm. say that, right? There's a like anxiety of a phone call. So a lot of people feel that. It's yeah, interesting. it's... I was reading a book about different generations and it was talking about it's a very millennial thing so people younger than us apparently don't have this uh, the way that okay our age well, I guess they do like IG do. lives and Snapchat yeah. and that kind of thing okay. um, but also along those lines of like the anxiety I think these websites cause us to over plan a bit mm. I mean I will rarely go somewhere without looking at the menu like obviously I have food issues but it's also like I like to be very prepared of even Will they have a bathroom? Will they have yeah. internet? It's really changed travel and like exploration quite a bit. Uh, travel abroad, I'd say almost exclusively for the better. It was really hard to plan trips abroad before the internet. Mm. But travel within an exploration within your own city or your own town, it's like you're never going to be walking down the street. Not never, but you're less likely to and say, oh, what's this place? And just kind of like go in. I feel like... Mm. You're like, well, I'm going to this place that I saw good reviews for. I also think we are less likely to even take recommendations because it used to be, oh, I want to go to a nice cinema. Do you have any recommendations? And then you would take someone's recommendation, but now you can just look and see everyone else's reviews online. That's true. And even if someone personally gives you a recommendation for a restaurant on a street, my instinct still would be to go home and look it up and Mm -hmm. find the website. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, I also found a con for this is that places don't need distinct looks. I kind of thought of this this morning as places have come become very homogenous on the outside, but it used to be like, okay, there's the marquee because you need to know what's playing inside of this theater. Oh, yeah. Um, this is obviously a church because it has all these steeples or whatever, but now a church can be in any building mm. because you'll still be able to find it. And what was my other idea? Oh, yeah, even the barbershop spirals, like those little yeah. spinny ones. Like a barbershop can be anywhere. They don't really need to distinguish themselves or even mm. have a sign. So in other words, those things that give character to a town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I also wanted to talk about next week because this is a big conversation about choice paralysis and how the internet feeds into that and also just a, an overwhelm of information that's one of the major symptoms of internet addiction and internet um, usage disorders is like the overload of information. But I find often we end up, okay, let's go out to eat tonight. You look and look and look. Uh, it's not really the news to end up eating in anyway. Yep. Or you end up just watching a movie at your house because it's there's too many choices mm. when you're going out and there's too many things to consider. Whereas before the internet, it was perhaps just like, we'll go. If it's bad, yeah, we'll find it out there. We don't have to read a hundred reviews before we go. And then also along these lines, of course, it causes dependence on the internet. And therefore, when the internet's down, you have no hope of finding it. I think... The place websites, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it probably makes people worse at navigation, mm-hmm. work at, worse at just kind of understanding things like me i cannot discern any trend with regards which stores are open and when like 
even on Sundays or on holidays especially. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that older generations have more of an intuition for it. Yeah, I think the easy solacine, in air quotes, solution to this would be having more local newspapers and it just being, perhaps you don't have to have it delivered to your door, but maybe one posted on every block or just something. I like the radio idea. Yeah, radio works too. It's analog. Um, No one, like you'd be much less inclined to listen to it for hours like you would for scrolling. Mm -hmm. You just kind of tune in wait for what you want to hear and then and then tune out so that'd be neat so i yeah i agree with your pros and cons in that it's on the one hand it's more informative and easier obviously than calling quicker on the other hand of course it does reduce a lot of that mystery which is the texture of life Mm -hmm. and just the the vibe of discovery like i remember even when we went on our trip to europe last year there were a couple things, but like really only a couple things that we knew we wanted to do along the way. The rest of it was all just let's see. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite experiences was when we were walking around Paris and we just saw a sign for Gustave Moreau Museum. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I recognize the artist. I've seen his pictures on the internet. They're some of my favorites. And then we just kind of wandered in, not ever checking the place website mm-hmm. and even just wandered inside and we're like, oh, it's free. Yeah. So we just, oh, that was free. one of this my favorite places. His house. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was, was so cool. His home and it has <laughs> not just some of the art, but almost all of it. Yeah. So just so crazy. But the thing is, had we planned that ahead of time and found the Gustave Moreau mm. Museum and we would have had that, oh, it's free mm. um, discovery, but only in our living room yeah. in Montreal and be like, oh, that's cool. It's free. We could go there. But it's not the same as when you get there. And you're so excited. Yeah. I think these spontaneous feelings also build rapport with the employees. Like you walk into a mm. shop and you're like, oh, this is cute. And they're like, yeah, like we are really proud of it or whatever it may be. It's it, They're small interactions, but they're human and like make yeah. the experience a bit more real. I had a couple more pros and cons. One pro is obviously the convenience of it. Like I don't think anything could ever beat this. No, no. And the con is... I, that they're almost always out of date, it feels. Well, yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate. But because it's you can always call or whatever, I feel like there's less of a inclination to keep it up to date. Whereas if they had to submit their hours to the newspaper for mm. that week, they would they'd be correct. It's also just it's more another pro, it's more power to the consumer because mm-hmm. like let's say you're looking for things to do for a day out with your children mm-hmm. and you have like your your laptop and you have different tabs open, one's for the zoo, one's for the cinema, one's for the, I don't know, museum. And you can see the opening times, you can see the entrance fees for different age groups, you can Mm -hmm. see it all and compare it so much easier. Yeah. Rather than having to make a phone call for each one, Mm -hmm. writing down. So, yeah, Yeah. I feel like it it allows us to make better decisions. More informed decisions, certainly. Especially if you're trying to find, like, a dentist. When we moved here, I needed a dentist, and it was like... I would have just wandered into the one closest, but maybe would have been charged $1,000 more than somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, the final thing was it does discourage smaller businesses from prospering. Mm. Perhaps there's a, a business that's been here forever, but they don't have a social media presence or an online presence because they choose not to or they yeah. just don't know how. And then it obviously optimizes the profits of the companies that have the best search engine optimization which is certainly a challenge for anyone who has a business, small, large, digital, in person. Mm. It's it's a challenge to it's be. kind of gross. Mm. I don't think I'm alone in that. This is most of what I use Facebook for. Yeah. Because most small things that you're talking about, a barbershop, a butcher, they won't have a phone website. They'll have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the only... 
the only thing of value that that website has really um, brought to us. But I think in in total, in the solo scene, my my conclusion was these exist, but people are better able to temper their curiosity. Let's put it like that. Yeah. So that you don't learn everything about. Like if you go to a zoo, I'm sure many of them just list everything they have. Mm-hmm. But if you just went there, then you'd be surprised by the oldest turtle in the province. Yeah, exactly. But do you relate to that with like the phone call anxiety? Because I remember from a young age, even for some reason, it was my job from since I was like age 11. I might be misremembering, but that's what it felt like. On the off chance that my family would be ordering a pizza, they'd always give me the phone. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I was the one most into pizza. Mm -hmm. And I would have to like steal myself and try and hype myself up for about 10 to 15 minutes beforehand because I was I would always get so nervous and now I know that a lot of pizza places in response to this have the text right you can just text in your order Mm -hmm. because obviously there's that many people who would so much rather do that I think it's so so interesting it is interesting I definitely went through a phase of having this anxiety I've come to enjoy phone calls though for the most part and it's just like these people get tens hundreds of phone calls a day they're not going to remember you yeah I've, it's, I feel like COVID definitely changed my air quote social anxiety, like shifted it around a bit because I used to be pretty confident, I'd say 95% of the time in person, Mm. but now I will do anything on Zoom, anything on phone. But even just today, there was like an hour where I had to mingle with people while you were doing something else. And I was, I was sweating and I was like, this is not (laughs) normal for me because I used to be super comfortable with people, but. It's so rare these opportunities where you're just in a room with a bunch of strangers and have nothing to do besides talk. Yeah. Because I'll actively like I won't go on my phone even if it means I'm just standing like literally in the middle of the room sweating. <laughs> like, for, Everyone listen to solo scene for twenty minutes. Just plugging it. Yeah, and then someone will come over and be like, "You good?" And you'll say, "Hey." Yeah. You forget how to socialize. Exactly. Speaking of forgetting how to socialize. The meme of the week this week is... The meme of the week this week is... I'll describe it. So the meme is... It's text up top and it says, LOL, LMAO, a bunch of emojis and laughing, ha 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 ha, a bunch of exclamation points. And then there's a picture underneath that is someone looking very serious or even just someone that has like air coming out of their nose. Because often on the internet, when we react to something... It's quite over the top, but our countenance in the human world does not change. Or you just go like this. Hmm. Yeah. That's probably how people react listening to our podcast. Exactly. When we're on air, like, falling out of our chairs with laughter about something that one of us says. Mm-hmm. And then the people listening, like, oh. So that's the meme. It's hard to nail down the exact one, but I feel like everyone has seen it or at least experienced it, which can be a meme. And the points I wanted to talk about on this is we're going to talk now about tone on the internet versus in real life. And this meme really captures how much we exaggerate on the internet, how inauthentic perhaps yeah. we, in, we tend to be, and it, how the internet is this constant rolling over of more and more intense or severe behavior to get a reaction. Because LOL used to be enough to convey, that was funny. Right. But now LOL is almost like... <laughs> LOL. It's almost a sarcastic. You almost have to put it now. It, yeah. like it does, it's just a part of punctuation. It's, mm-hmm. it's funny. Yeah, I put haha in almost every message. <laughs> but I do in real life say that quite a bit. Like say I ha-ha. laugh a lot. Because I think now the actual LOL would be the crying laughing emojis. Mm-hmm. 
And no, it's not just like chuckling emoji. It's not just a you smile. You are crying, laughing. That's yeah. how funny it is. Mm-hmm. That's the, yeah, that was one of the points I had about this question about real life tone versus internet tone is the almost like race towards more extreme language. And you've talked about it there in terms of joking around and comedy, but also there's the obvious examples. If um, there's like arguments or hostility or politics, it's not enough to say, yeah, I kind of think this, you have to be really for this. Or like mm-hmm. people talk about it with um, with reactions to films, right? Like reviews. Mm-hmm. You can't really be lukewarm on something. It has to be, I love this or I hate this. Mm-hmm. So Because that's what gets traction and that's ultimately the the currency of clout is what the internet mm-hmm. you know thrives on yeah the marvel movies are a perfect ecosystem to watch because the first captain america was epic everyone loved it and was like wow what an epic movie and then compared to endgame it's just it's basically child's play in terms of what's on screen the not sure scale you, what and are you so talking on. about what do you mean like the 15 years ago on the internet you type lol it means I'm laughing. That was funny. Yeah. Now you type LOL and it's just punctuation. Um, with the Marvel movies, it's like, yeah, the first, you know, the original ones that came out. Yes. Everyone loved them. They were like going to the theaters for them, talking t- about them. But now if that came out, it was like alongside Endgame, for an example, oh. it'd be like, what? There's only one superhero in oh, this yes, movie? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, it's just so lame. Yeah. I'm not sure that's exactly the same thing, but it's an interesting parallel kind of have to keep chasing the high mm-hmm, exactly another example i had of this is like dramatizing so this is a bit of a specific use but something that always annoys me on the internet is like in tweets or in posts when people usually it's, it'll be political so like let's say it's a young person complaining about the economic situation they've been born into or like climate change climate change mm-hmm. is an example they'll make a really long list but often in that list, it will include like three or four things that are just, they're either non-factors or they're kind of repeating or they're just mm-hmm. irrelevant. But because it makes the list visually look a lot bigger, it kind of, it makes them sound more like experts on the topic and it makes their post have more credibility. Does mm-hmm. that make any sense? Which yeah. wouldn't really fly if you were talking in real life. Like I don't think you could just pad out for one minute with mostly fluff and have people take it kind of seriously mm-hmm. but just the way that we see things versus the way that we hear things which we'll be talking about later also mm-hmm. um i see this quite a lot along the lines of dramatizing our speech mm-hmm. yeah i find the internet is also over research is how i'll put it in real life like if i just said yeah like i think like with the power yeah i get a feeling it'll come on in a day or two you'd be Source? like yeah but in real life, you're like, yeah, cool. You have a feeling or you just yeah. you just would assume that I read it somewhere or whatever. But online, it's like, well, where did you learn this? Can you give me some yeah. facts about where <laughs> this came from? And it's like, I mean, I know it's good to an extent so there's not circulation of false information and so on. Right. But because there's so much information on the internet, I mean, every day, the amount of content put out is equal to all the content that existed in the world, ever written, ever whatever, before... 2006 i think like all of human history so much content yeah but is anybody content that's the question there <laughs> um there's it's easy enough for false information to circulate like 60 yeah. percent or so of mm-hmm. published articles that are peer-reviewed have falsified information yeah 
but there's it's hard to get it off the internet because the internet's forever another thought i had was you mentioned it with the kind of the mask that people put on when they say they're laughing even though they're not laughing Mm -hmm. it's just in general the falsity with which people type and present themselves on the internet Mm -hmm. is something that's so different to how people are in real life yeah like there'll be so much more kind of grandiose or theatrical or evil or um competitive or humorous or whatever it may be like it's just like that's not you that you're just that's just your avatar for instance it's kind of like the difference between a poetic or literary voice and one's real voice Mm. because for instance when i write poems and when i write stories i know i don't write the same way that i talk because like i just don't and a lot of people don't or people singing voice right like that sounds different than their talking voice it's just what it Mm. is um which is fine because that's a that's a minority of my expression and singing is the minority of the singer's expression but it's maybe a bit of a weird thing when people post more than they actually talk you know Mm. what i mean because then it's like which is the real identity and which is the false one Mm. if that makes any sense and another meme that i had maybe stepping on the meme of the week toes is the one that's like facebook linkedin twitter instagram yeah different pictures of ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's the different ways that we present ourselves one according to who our who's seeing it because i think that's what the meme is you know like ostensibly about facebook is for family instagram's for thirsty acquaintances or whatever linkedin is for co-workers you know this kind of thing um but it also depends who you are speaking as which is something Mm. that's kind of interesting because some things you use a screen name some things you use your real name so Mm -hmm. there's a big difference there in the anonymity as well yeah, because in real life, yeah, of course you have different personas. I speak to you differently than I speak to my parents or yeah, to but, kids. But here's what I'm saying. I feel like that code switching, because that's the time for mm-hmm. it, is exaggerated. Yeah, I and think it's it like, certainly is. In real life, you d- the aim actually to be like an integrated, you know, well, well-rounded, well-developed person is to present yourself as similarly as you can mm-hmm. in the different social circles, whereas the internet, I think, um, promotes the opposite. I think it does, Yeah. I find the internet also, I was trying to find the study or studies that this came out of. It's it's common knowledge, but I've heard it talked about in an academic setting. So I wanted to find the article, but I couldn't. But I will explain it now of the more people that join a conversation, the dumber it gets, basically. The and dumber? dumber is like a harsh word for it. But say you're speaking with one other person, you could have just met them or you know them yeah really well but you're going to be speaking more personally and perhaps deeper on a topic Mm -hmm. but then for every person that comes in i wish i had the number but it's a percent that the the quality of the conversation goes down i think that makes sense because you have to then okay or you don't have to but you feel compelled to then make it more and more um dumbing down i think everyone i think everyone knows this intuitively because even as the case of like hearing There'll be three mm-hmm. people who are having their own conversation. I'm like, oh, what did you say? And you have to repeat things and just, yeah. it becomes simpler just to talk about the weather or mm-hmm. where we're going for dinner. Yeah. So I was with that. That's like, okay, up to 10 people and then we're all just going to be talking about the weather. But the, like, the internet is everybody. Yeah. So think about the quality of conversation you're having on there is going to be basically child's conversation. It's going well, to be very. Yeah. Sorry. Depending on the website though. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's kind of a running meme, for instance, on Reddit that once a subreddit hits a certain point it becomes worthless Mm -hmm. because it might be a a previously a hobbyist or niche one like let's say it's about fixing up motocross bikes Mm -hmm. 
I can imagine that the conversations they're having about those bikes are quite in depth until everybody gets into it and it becomes a million people, then it just starts becoming silly memes, essentially. Exactly. So I do think there are some smaller areas of the internet that are for that. But wider social media, you're right, is perhaps not, uh, not yeah. the best place. I also had a bit of a contradictory point on tone in real life versus online, but I guess it's not necessarily contradictory. I feel like online, it's either 100% positive or just the cruelest, meanest <laughs> places ever. So like a YouTube comment will always be one or the other, full of, yeah, either we love you, this is so wonderful, or just dreadful comments and i was reading this thing that i found interesting because you see on instagram it's like oh you can hide the likes now yep or on youtube we're getting rid of the dislike button or Mm -hmm. facebook is the same and you would think oh this is to promote mental health so that people aren't being bullied with these negative feedbacks but in reality it's like who would want to like why would having negative feedback options improve the user's experience from the perspective of these companies therefore it's in their benefit to keep you on there longer to get rid of any opportunity for negative experiences they want it to be as positive an experience as possible not for the user's mental health or sanity but so that you're stuck on there longer basically i also think next week we can talk a bit about comments versus other types of interactions event yeah and how those differ because It's often people don't comment, like they probably comment 5% of the time, but liking is this very low energy interaction Mm. that is, it basically is, it has no expulsion, but it's tricking our brain. It has a lot of impact on us. I think that's a, well, I'll save it for next week, but I think that's the thing in the dating apps that a lot of people will swipe positively. I'm not sure which direction that is, but never follow up, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, well, that's an easy thing to do. Um, along the lines also of tone, I was thinking this is kind of a, a niche observation, but because of context, like let's say I'm on, I'm I'm a part of, say, leftist Twitter, mm-hmm. and so that means the people I'm following and the people who follow me and the general algorithm that I am in are all of a similar mind. Mm-hmm. You can often presume a shared knowledge about things that yeah. you couldn't do in real life. So like there's this viral meme uh, tweet that was like, it said something like, so once all the boomers go, do you guys want to switch to metric or something? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you're saying this thing into the void to people who you know will agree with you. Mm-hmm. But there is, there's almost no room that you could just go in and shout that and have people laughing mm-hmm. in, in the real world, I mean. So that's interesting. Another thing about tone, obviously there's anonymity and it's the case that because of this, people are much quicker to hostility and that kind of thing. But on, on a bit of a lighter note, I also feel like things just get a lot more playground, like things get a lot more childish and infantile Mm -hmm. in a weird way. So it doesn't even have to be political. Sometimes if I'm reading about football on the internet, for instance, soccer, um, it's just like some of the nicknames that people type are like very, very frequently. So it's it's not so rare that it's probably children doing it is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of adults who type this, type things that I don't think they would ever say in real life. Like one of the jokes I say to you is like, Penaldo, which is basically just a derogatory nickname towards Cristiano Ronaldo saying, oh, he only scores penalties. Mm-hmm. But it's like in real life at the bar, mm-hmm. grown men are talking about Penaldo. Yeah. But because it's written, you can type these very, very childish Trumpian almost mm-hmm. uh, 
silly playground insults, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And finally, just continuing last week when I mentioned that the internet in some regards is not just the town hall, but like the bathroom stall. It was Mm -hmm. this idea that I think the bathroom stall, the things people write on there are things that everybody knows that, like everyone knows human nature. It's like people know that these things are in our heads, in our thoughts all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're written on bathroom stalls because there is no place for them really in polite society. But the internet is almost like, what if, and the, the way that I think also the internet tone is affecting and influencing real life tone is that polite society is becoming less and less the norm and Mm -hmm. bathroom stalls are becoming much more common so like for instance i was thinking about swearing feels like a lot more people swear now like that's a lot Mm. more of a casual thing and i think the internet i mean this goes also with like the dissolution of religion like people believe in less things and, and all these all these kind of um peripheral changes in society but i think at the very least the internet has accelerated this yeah, I think so, because it's easier to type and then you're not saying it. Yeah. Because even, I mean, maybe it's, I'm just an, a new adult. Mm. When you're a kid, like, if you said a bad word or heard someone say it, like, it was an almost physical reaction yeah. to it of, like, whoa, that just, like, mm-hmm. happened. But if you just see it, because you read it in a book or you read it yeah. typed out, and it's like, well. That's just that's the norm it. now. Like, I think in, if you look on, like, television, mm-hmm. I just think that a lot more people are swearing than used to. I think yeah. it's, it's very interesting yeah, how I these think things so. have become normalized. Mm-hmm. And going into the last question of the day, which was about seen versus heard communication, so the psychological and maybe even sociological effects of reading most of our communication rather than hearing it in real time or in real life. I don't have much to talk about this, but I think I'll just reread the haiku with which I started the episode because that is on this topic. So I said, seen but never touched, heard but too reliably, such words turn bitter. And line by line, it's like the seen but never touched is this, again, just talking about the non-place. It's like we see the words, but our only interaction with them is kind of a glossy swipe of the fingertip. Yeah. Or even if it's on a laptop, you never touch it. Whereas I think a written word, there's something about the fact that you are physically turning the page, or even if it's written with a pencil, you can actually feel where the pencil has, has changed mm-hmm. form. And heard but too reliably, is the idea that so much of our speech has this innate value because it is so transient and you have to pay attention in the moment to follow and to understand. And in general, it's just the idea that maybe a lot of value or perceived value has been lost because of the endless archiving of everything. What do you think? I have a lot of thoughts about this one. The archiving is a big obstacle that I find mm. these days in that I it's such a hard mindset to get out of, of I can just look back on this, of yeah. memorizing. Mm-hmm. Essentially, in university, I never took any initiative to memorize a single thing because I always thought these are recorded lectures, I have the textbooks, I have my notes. I will never need to memorize it. But trying to get out of that is really challenging, but I think it's almost crucial to healthy brains. I mean, memorization prevents dementia. And it also just, this is one thing that this power outage really made me rethink in that, well, okay, I'm going to try and be as concise as possible. There's this 
impulse to post on social media and to take pictures. I've sat in audiences recently and seen people almost like it's, it seems like an addiction, like a, an impulse, but there's almost a stronger word than that. Compulsion. Compulsion to take a picture of something. And it's like, you can almost see them like, why am I doing, like, not even thinking about it and just doing it. And I think this is our brains, like, externalizing our memories and almost externalizing our experiences and how this relates to the power outage is that I realized I, like, compulsively will take a screenshot of something if I want to remember it, even if it's a post on Instagram of an outfit I like, of a store I want to visit, whatever. And I screenshot it, never think of it again. But then, like, know that they're in my screenshots, so I can always, like, refer back to them if it does Mm -hmm. get prompted or whatever. And then having no power, I'm like, I don't know anything. Like, everything that I (laughs) want to know, every knitting pattern that I could have done with no power is, like, screenshotted on my phone. It's not physical, and it's just kind of not dangerous, but it's, like, I think taking that one action of printing it off, I'm going to try and start, like, writing recipes down in a book. Yeah. Stuff like this, I think it because yeah, you're still externalizing it. This is what um Socrates talked about, like as we started being a it wasn't Socrates who was as we started writing stuff down, he was like, This is not good for humanity. Yeah. And the phones take it so much farther. Um uh, how is this relating to So this is specific to the portability of the internet, not just the internet itself. Yeah, I want to talk a bit, a bit more about this next week, but I've also thought about this because I recently have tried or, or begun going about my day. Like if I usually go out, let's say to work and stay there for several hours mm-hmm. without taking my phone. Mm-hmm. And it, it's all fine because I don't mind missing music or podcasts or communication with other people or browsing. What, like that's not it. Um, what I like to have on me is the notes app because yeah. when I find something that I'm interested in, that's my easy way of dog earing it so mm-hmm. I can remember it. To, so that when I get back to a library, a book, or just having access to the internet, I know what I wanted to look into. And so I just think an easy alternative is to have a small notebook on you all mm-hmm. the time. Because even then, that writing will make it you will remember, make you remember it. it. That's, what I, that's what the connection was of the physical writing does, in fact, make it yeah. more likely to then act on it, not just be a waste of your time. Yeah, like, but the, the university example is really cool as well, because this is kind of similar to towards the end of our undergrad. I felt a lot less necessity to attend lectures mm-hmm. because I was like, well, the slides will be online. Yeah. But coincidentally, those are the lectures that I remember the least about because mm-hmm. the slides are online, sure, but being there, hearing it, mm-hmm. and what I said about heard but too reliably. So like some professors even uploaded audio of themselves yeah. to the internet. So it's like, mm-hmm. You know, just looking at it on the surface, it's the exact same as just, well, you could attend or just listen to this later. Yeah. And you can actually re-listen to this and go back and pause it so that maybe that's better. Mm-hmm. I think, in a sense, it's actually worse because you pay less attention to it. Yeah. Like, even this podcast, I was thinking, the people listening, they can go back 15 seconds if they want. They can yeah. go forward 30 seconds if they don't want. And um, it's just, it's, wild, it's wildly different to you and I experiencing it right now. Because yeah. I have to remember the things that you're saying. You have to remember the things that I'm saying. So you have to. we have to pay more attention to the people listening to us. Exactly. It's really impacted active listening in like these, the Zoom meetings, you don't have to be taking cues of the body language, yeah. all these things. And therefore, 
Yeah. And it's really easy to just say, oh, I missed that. Even mm. if you didn't, like, it's just Zoom is a really sketchy. Because it makes you more of an observer, right? Like, you're less yeah. active in it, in a sense. Yeah, I also was thinking about the seen versus heard communication. First, I'm just going to say this fact, but I learned that 90% of our body's intake of stimuli is visual. Mm. So it's 90% visual, then 10% shared across all the other senses. And so that's why TikTok and graphics and things are so much more appealing to us, but we process these 60,000 times faster than text. So it's like, we obviously can't remember 60,000 times more than we read, mm. but we we are still happy to take it in because it's processing quickly. But I think it's just so inefficient in that, like, because the quality, quantity is so much, but with text, when you're reading something, it's higher quality. And that's why body language is so key as well, right? Yeah. Which the internet largely absolves us from. Mm -hmm. Even if you see in the profile picture on Twitter, like, oh, that's what that person looks like. You don't know how they look if they were saying that to you. Because mm -hmm. I think we're usually quite good judges of if someone's lying, if someone's excited mm -hmm. about something, if someone's scared. Yeah. But on the internet, it's all either performative or, or text. Yeah. Another thing I had about, um, it's not necessarily seen versus heard, but it's synchronous versus asynchronous meetings is that I had this meeting yesterday and I was sitting on the side of the road. This is the same meeting I was talking about earlier on my phone, power lines being fixed immediately beside me. My parents sitting across from me having a conversation. Shout out. Um, yeah, my parents are visiting. Shout out to them. They didn't lose power. <laughs> um, but like for me, if we're in a meeting, five of us in a room, there's a siren outside. We all pause. But when it's eight, it's when it's um, remote, there's going to be like different yeah, of things happening, like different interruptions. So it's so much more inefficient. And there's no like kind of cues for it. It's, I mean, the private example is people starting to talk at the same time all the time on Zoom. But in real life, there's kind of a you take a breath and then it's like, oh, they're going to speak. Or you kind of can even like raise your hand. Like yeah. there's different ways you can kind of indicate you're speaking. And it's just like really choppy and robotic now. And then it's super translated into real life. I mean, embarrassingly so to an extent. I'm really hoping that I find ways to combat that. I'm sure that. you will. You can learn from me. Yeah. But I was also <laughs> thinking that continuing along that kind of that self-deprecating tone is the idea that perhaps being raised on text and on the internet more so than real life communication makes people more monotonous, makes people worse communicators in real life. Mm thinking yeah i'm thinking about myself because i feel like i speak in quite a robotic way without much emotion and without much movement mm. and um i feel like that that contributes like that has contributed yeah and i think yeah i just feel like people are worse speakers than before and i think this is largely the reason yeah this is perhaps by the end of the semester we could compile some sort of resource guide for people to become less internet Reliant, like obviously that's what this whole semester is, but maybe make it really concise and that could be our last episode. This is just an idea, yeah, that's a good idea. of literal like books, how to be, I mean, obviously any book you read about how to be a better speaker is going to have everybody speaking like Obama, but I mean... <laughs> What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that, <laughs> I guess. But I think it would just be interesting, even for myself, because these are, it's really making me think this, uh, this semester. I'm going to keep saying it, but it's inspiring me to change... A lot. I feel like the other semesters were all things that like I 
I knew maybe or had already had a, a slight mm-hmm. practice in, but yep. these are really shaking it up, <laughs> especially coming out of the pandemic. It's a lot of changes. If you listeners want to shake things up, especially coming out of the pandemic, <laughs> you can buy one of our So Seen Scenes linked in the description. There's one for degrowth, one for education, one for nature, and the internet one will for sure be available next week. We'll release a small episode to accompany that launch. So thank you all for listening. Happy Easter. Have a nice day.